Volume One, Chapter Seven of Mrs. Armitage or Female Domination by Mrs. Gore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Helen Taylor. Chapter Seven. Stand not amazed. Here is no remedy. In love, the heavens themselves do guide the state. Money buys lands, but wives are sold by fate. Shakespeare. Meanwhile arthur armitage and his bride hand clasped in hand were reclining in the capital chariot as it rolled smoothly along the banks of the rhine jack would have found much to commend in the patent axles sophia in the scenery through which they were passing arthur and marian admired nothing saw nothing enjoyed nothing but their own heart's most sweet society both were at a time of life when the positive has so limited an influence and the ideal so wide a range when so little of the world is known and so much conjectured that though there was no end to their speculations there was a very speedy one to their reminiscences neither of them seemed desirous of clinging to the past their existence was now beginning their future all brightness and hope on marian's happiness indeed there was no drawback that of arthur's did occasionally receive some check when a halt at brussels frankfurt or stuttgart produced letters from england for sophia's to himself afforded no prospect of a reconciliation with his mother while marian's communications from her family in which she insisted on his participating were of a nature to transfix him with dismay such a family if his mother had decided so resolutely against them unknown unheard unseen undreamt of what would be her abhorrence when jack baltimore had hallooed for half an hour at her elbow or when she should have perused one of the cheltenham epistles of mrs dyke robsey your aunt appears very fond of gaiety for her time of life observed armytage one day after listening to marian's animated account of a picnic at hounslow with the officers which she had enjoyed the preceding season is she not my aunt cannot bear being alone and mrs robsey you know counts for next to nothing besides he is almost always taken up with parliament and that sort of thing i was not aware he was at all active in the house in i don't know but out he is particularly busy three or four members used to dine with him three or four times a week and they talked of nothing but bills and motions and divisions and i can't tell what nor they neither i suspect is mr robsey with government he has no place under government i know but does he vote with the ministers i have not the least idea with whom he votes but i know that he's constantly saying i am all for railroads and radical reform he repeats that sentence fifty times a day let people be talking of what they please as if it were an answer to everything with his little wheezing voice and short dry cough i'm all for the railroads and radical reform you must have heard him say it a thousand times there is so much difficulty in hearing what he says poor man and i am afraid i never paid much attention to his sayings or doings you're very ungrateful then my uncle took a fancy to you at first sight i recollect his observing at breakfast the morning after you were first introduced to us and my aunt was telling him what a fine property you had in yorkshire well i hope with all my heart it may benefit by some of the new railroads 
a jealous pang shot through the heart of arthur how very early in his acquaintance with marian had his fine property in yorkshire been discussed how could he tell what share it might have had in biasing her preference mr dyke robsey then is a radical said he in a petulant voice i do not exactly know and i should think it was not of much consequence to himself or anybody else only i remember that at brighton my aunt was always lamenting he was something which prevented our being asked to the pavilion what absurd nonsense yes very absurd as she often said why should mr robsey's politics affect her and certainly many of our acquaintance went to the royal balls who had not half so much right as my aunt with all her fine diamonds and she is a baronet's daughter arthur smiled at the simplicity of his wife there is a period of married life when the simplicity of a wife is peculiarly attractive by the way said he the o'moran baronetcy is extinct i fancy had your grandfather sir emilius o'moran more daughters than your mother and mrs robsey oh there's my uncle dominic who lives always in ireland agent you know to lord ballina and then there's my poor uncle bob and poor sir marcus what uncle bob what poor sir marcus mamma and my aunt never talk of them if they can help it my uncle bob has been in the limerick lunatic asylum these twenty years and sir marcus you know has been obliged to reside in america ever since the rebellion is it possible my aunt has been very kind to him mr robsey settled an annuity on sir marcus when he married how very strange that no one should have mentioned their names to me not at all mamma and aunt are naturally anxious to have them forgotten for my uncle dominic's sake because perhaps he might lose his situation if the history of his family came to lord ballinar's knowledge i will answer for it mused poor arthur in secret as he threw himself back in the carriage in no very enviable mood of mind that by this time wemmersley has managed to ferret out the whole o'moran pedigree and to carry it to holywell and my mother who will not even take an irish servant into her house another time when marian in high spirits had been recounting anecdotes of her gay winter at brighton her brilliant season in town armytage had the vexation to perceive that her circle of acquaintance was of the class most disagreeable even to himself during the period of his courtship the coterie in portland place had been comparatively small and comparatively select and either he had not perceived or had not cared of what material it might be composed he had of course never expected to find the best society frequent such a house as the robseys but he was now mortified in the discovery that as in most instances where great wealth is allied to great want of tact mrs dyke's good nature had been imposed upon to accept the acquaintance of every tiger in town and that in addition to these tinsel stars she had been induced by her unlucky appetite for finery and the fine to compromise with the want of respectability of a certain number of persons of high birth who affect to succeed from the society of people of their own caste from which they have been in fact ejected as unworthy poor marian's lords and ladies were all of very questionable notoriety 
deeply hurt by the facts thus successively and as it were accidentally brought to his knowledge arthur began to get somewhat uneasy on the score of the former associations of his wife trusting that he now knew the worst he wished to know no more to hear no more he checked her by a sudden change of subject whenever she recurred to home and directed her attention with eagerness towards new scenes and new objects in hopes of storing her mind with new ideas ere she encountered the ordeal of an introduction to his mother and the pretty little bride was easily influenced the moment arthur expressed a desire that she would improve herself in french and join with him in the study of german she applied herself in right earnest and soon if the truth must be told outstepped the progress of her fellow-student there was one point meanwhile on which she needed no encouragement to application mrs arthur armytage was not by nature but by art strictly by art a brilliant musician very few professional performers exceeded her in execution on the piano and though arthur would have been content to lay hearts and hummel and their works at the bottom of the rhine or the red sea he felt it his duty to commend a proficiency which must have cost his wife so much time and diligence to acquire he only wished in his heart that her performance had not so much resembled the gabbling of a parrot he admitted to himself that the more marian's temper and disposition developed themselves to his acquaintance the more he saw in her that was honest and endearing but he also admitted that it was scarcely possible for him to have selected a wife whose tastes were less congenial with his own or whose connections were less eligible he thought it strange that all this had never struck him previous to his marriage but nothing now remained but to make the best of it he would turn to the bright side of things luckily a bright side existed marian was the most docile as well as the prettiest creature in the world she needed only a little training and no one could be trained more easily under such circumstances nothing could be more reasonable than arthur's determination to pass the winter abroad previously to soliciting the notice of his mother for his wife and settling for life in his own country paris would be a very agreeable sejour for both of them marian might have as much music as she pleased and mix in society both pleasant and profitable without hurting his pride by contact with her own family and connections and as to himself he knew lots of fellows in paris he could easily get into the club he should make it out very well in paris therefore they established themselves and in a handsome style by the prudent forecast of guardians and solicitors there is usually a loose sum of money left tangible when two young people marry under the name of outfit which enables them to acquire during their first year of independence habits of expenditure they can never afterwards lay aside and accordingly the money predestined to procure tables and chairs plate and linen for the box in the sporting country with a good bottle of wine in its cellar a good horse in its stable and a spare bed for a friend or a father-in-law was fated gradually to melt away in opera boxes finery and the most profitless of unprofitable hospitality still arthur fancied he was gaining time his kind sister 
unwilling to distress him by acknowledging the implacable spirit still maintained against him by her mother constantly wrote that she trusted a few more months would effect the reunion of the family and aware that as the winds blow where they list mrs armytage resented or relented at her own good time and pleasure he waited waited patiently his club was a pleasant club his wife an affectionate wife his life agreeable his prospects not hopeless there could be no occasion for him to humble himself to the dust at the feet of mrs armytage End of volume one chapter seven